differently are cited about. Um, Brendan's quite um, cleverly engineered a panel uh, which covers off as many bases of property in, in terms of sectors as possible. Um, we have a, a, a huge range of experience today. Brendan, can you confirm, is Paul Higgs on yet? I haven't seen Yes, he, he is. I, I, I've muted uh, the panellists, so it's a good opportunity for me to unmute the panellists. Uh, yeah. Ranjan's unmuted. Okay, so uh, on, on the panel today, uh, in, in no particular order, I've actually done reverse al alphabetically today. We have Ranjan Bhattacharya, who specialises in commercial uh, property investment, over 30 years of experience, also in residential, but moving into commercial, as he feels uh, it's a better way to invest, and I don't disagree. He also hosts his own property meet called Baker Street Property Meet. Um, second to that, we have Paul Higgs uh, from, from Millgate Property, who is specialising in land and uh, planning and development. So really keen to see on how the markets change for Paul. Um, we have also have Justine, and Justine spoke at the Commercial Property Summit and predominantly specialises in uh, property investment, including care homes. Um, so it's really interesting to see how care homes have been a fairly hot topic over the last few years with the ageing population, but evidently um, things are probably changing in that, that area of, of, of the investment. Uh, shortly after Justine, we also have John Howard, uh, who I'm really excited to get on today. I've heard a lot about uh, uh, John. Uh, one of my uh, our mutual connections has, has talked a lot to me about John, which I've been meaning to, to reach out to John, and I've never heard uh, John speak at any of Brendan's events. So hugely interested to see what John's been up to and his you. views on the market. Uh, hugely experienced in lots of uh, larger transactions, as I'd like to say. Um, Daryl Norkett from Lendwell. Um, Daryl's um, ex-Challenger uh, Bank uh, product setup, and he's got a huge wealth of experience in not only financial structuring, but also understanding the development end-to-end. -end. Um, over the last few weeks specifically, uh, I've been speaking to Daryl on, on a project that we have uh, currently, and it's very refreshing to speak to someone with all of the potential threats in mind and selecting the right route forward uh, for myself and, and my business. Uh, knowing what, what those threats that could arise. And finally, Ben Richards, my business partner and founder of Aura Architecture, uh, based in Clapham. So I will allow all um, the panellists to do a 30-second introduction themselves. Um, we will start with Ranjan and work reverse alphabetically through them. Uh, and once we've done that, we'll get straight into some questions. So Ranjan. Um. Just to clarify, is this an introduction to what I do, or is it a sum up of commercial? This is this is this is so for listen. We have a lot of listeners on here that know uh, quite a few people, but we also have some new listeners. So please, just a brief introduction for people that don't who know who you are, and maybe a little bit something about you that people that know you but may may not know about you. All right, okay. <laughs> so um, my name is Ranjan Bhattacharya. I've been investing in property since 1990, mainly residential. Um, in 2001, I started to move towards uh, commercial property. I also do some developments. Our model is whatever we build, we keep as long-term fight holds. Um, and in recent times, I've been doing a lot of commercial property, mainly uh, high street, converting um, retail units into residential usages, also offices, office to resi conversions, and also uh, serviced offices, uh, building serviced offices and renting out serviced office suites and co-working uh, types of space. Um, I 
vlog a lot of my uh, commercial property experiences on my YouTube channel. We've got about 14,000 subscribers on there. Just search my uh, name and uh, have a little look. And also run the Baker Street Property Meet. Uh, we're doing it online now. We had a thousand plus people at uh, last week's uh, meet. And this week's meet, this month's meet should be reasonably exciting. We've got Shaf Azul talking about his, uh, his commercial property experience and his recent exposés that he's been doing. Simon Zushi, uh, Mark Alexander, Property 118, and me on that meet on 29th of April. It's free. You just have to register at BakerStreetPropertyMeet.com. Um, so I'm here to talk about commercial property development. I've just finished a major development project at the moment, which is um, we've turned a building into St. Albans into a serviced office and business centre. We'd literally just finished two weeks before the COVID crisis. Everyone who was meant to move into the property has deferred. Uh, some people have terminated their leases. At the moment, we have um, a little bit of an empty white elephant, but I actually see the serviced office market rebounding back very, very fast, uh, mainly because people will want to commit to shorter leases. So if you've got the right product in the right place, and now's a good time for us to get the marketing uh, all right, so that when we do come back, uh, we can capitalize on what should be a great opportunity for those for that serviced office building. Um, I think that gives a little bit of a flavor. Yeah. Brilliant, thanks very much, Ranjan. Interesting, you mentioned the serviced office part there. That's probably a topic we'll come back to later today. Um, so moving on from Ranjan, thank you very much. We have Paul Higgs, who is under this as Millbank Land Academy. Paul, are you there? All right, mate, yes, I'm here. Fantastic. Could you just do, for listeners that um, may not have uh, heard of you before, or, and listeners that are here, just a brief introduction to what you do uh, and what you're probably going to be speaking about later on today in terms of your speciality. Yeah, so um, my, my name's Paul Higgs. I'm a Chartered Planning and Development Surveyor. I've been in, in development for 36 years now. Um, predominantly residential development uh, and a bit of mixed use and a bit of commercial now and then. But my, um, I started off in construction, so I do know construction very well. But um, I then went on to really make my main focus um, land and planning. So that's my, my main sort of areas um, of expertise, really, in finding proper off-market development sites and adding maximum planning value to them. Sometimes I trade them on, sometimes I build them out. Fantastic. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Paul. So that's commercial experience. Uh, land and planning experience. Moving into Justine Kirkham, could you give a, a brief in, uh, introduction to yourself? Morning everybody, um, my name's Justine. Um, I work with my sister Julia Wetherill and we are together Noted Property. Um, we're predominantly in the residential side um, but at the moment we're doing quite a lot of work with care home groups um, and looking at developing for them and also uh, working on the interior design side. Uh, in order to make sure that they, they can actually maximise the, the room spend that they can actually get. Um, it's an interesting time to be, uh, to be trying to develop any of these, these plans out at the moment because so many, so many of those uh, projects are actually on hold, um, especially given the fact that um, with the care home sector, nobody quite knows what an effect the COVID is going to have on, on the, uh, the more vulnerable. So, um, yeah, that's it from me for the moment. Thank you very much, Justine. And moving on to John, who's not a not so uh, regular Brendan speaker, so I'm looking forward to this introduction. Hi, well, thank you very much, Brendan, for asking me on again. It's very kind of you. Um, I've been at the job 40 years. I bought and sold over 3,500 properties during that time. My latest project, which Brendan has seen, in fact, I bought him a nice scone 
and the cafe next door is 150 flats on its waterfront, uh, 27 million pound project, which is finished, thank goodness. And the selling of the flats was going very well, it's stalled slightly now, but we've got quite a lot of money in, so we're fairly confident. Uh, we borrowed the money off the government, so uh, they can hardly charge any interest during this period, can they really? So um, I'm pretty relaxed about that. Um, moving forward, um, I'm starting a high net worth um, property fund for high net worth individuals. Uh, just signed heads of terms for that. That's something that's coming up in the next few months. Fantastic. Thank you very much, John. Uh, really insightful. So we've got commercial, uh, we've got land and planning, we've got resi and care homes, and we've got large scale high, high transactional residential as well, which moves us on to our finance brain, which is Daryl Norkett. Daryl, can you share with everyone your expertise and, and organisation? Yeah, morning everyone. Thanks, Jack. Um, so I'm Daryl. I've been doing uh, property finance for around about 10 years now. So originally at Barclays Bank, then down to a, a challenger bank called Shawbrook, um, and now at okay. Lemwell. Lemwell, we started um, before Christmas last year and sort of really started getting going just before the coronavirus hit with absolutely impeccable timing. But it's pretty much the same team that, that built Shawbrook originally. And we've been focused on the, the bridging, refurbishment and small development market. So what I've really been doing for the last couple of weeks is a mix of two things. So been helping a lot of people out with development sites that maybe should be selling at the moment, aren't selling and people are worried about needing more time or needing to find solutions to get deals over the line they're already committed to. But also we've got a big eye on the future, staying close to the market and kind of getting ready for the multiple opportunities that are likely to come from this. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Daryl. And Daryl has been a, a great help to our business over the last couple of weeks as evidently his, his lending criteria is, 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 is predominantly not on freeze, but not, not as active as it always is. So therefore he's got more time to help uh, individuals like ourselves in this current climate. And last but not least, Ben Rich is my business partner and founder of Aura Architecture. Ben, do you want to give everyone a bit of a rundown? Sure. Yeah. So um, my background's in architectural engineering. I graduated uh, with a master's degree in that 10 years ago. Um, since then, I've worked for architects, engineers, and um, more recently before setting up my own company, the Berkeley Group. So I was technical manager for them on some big schemes in Battersea and Nine Elms, um, 816 units and 955 unit mixed use uh, sort of eight year program scheme. So I've worked on 50K refurbishments all the way up to sort of just shy of one billion pound um, schemes in central London. In May 17, started uh, my own company, Aura Architecture. So we're a small team of, of architects and designers based in Clapham, working in uh, inside the M25 and the home counties slightly further afield. And then two years ago, uh, joined forces with Jack to start exp property so we're a property investment and development company we bought a number of things in the last two years including uh, mixed use so we've actually got some serviced offices um, that are due to start in the next month or two as well um, and uh, commercial residential land conversions um, anything that we can add value to again we don't uh, always sell um, we do um, hold some of our assets um, in a sort of mixed uh, mixed strategy so that's that's me fantastic thank you very much ben so that's our panel we've got commercial land uh, care homes large residential finance uh, and design and delivery of, of slightly smaller developments so what i would ask everyone that's listening we've now got 93 people on the call 
I've got a few questions that I believe would be useful for everyone. But while we're running through these questions, if you do have any questions yourself, we would love to come to them uh, in time. So please um, either raise your hand and put the question in the, in the question box or in the chat box, put a question in and I'll make sure that we go to the most relevant individual on the panel and get those uh, questions answered. Yes, please, Brendan. So you, you will note, sorry, Jack, to interrupt. Uh, I will try not to interrupt too many times. You, you notice <laughs> I put a post there on the group chat, which is about the next meet, because I didn't realize next Monday is Easter Monday. So I want your feedback if it's best Easter Monday or the Tuesday onwards. So um, we come back to Monday because I like Mondays. But if you can just let me know which is best Easter Monday because you know people's lives are different even on lockdown um so your feedback is useful there also will be a small survey it's literally five questions which i will post and if you can complete that would be useful because it's great to get feedback about what's good for you um and just one last thing um 10 years anniversary my big event on april the 30th so um look i know evan's going to be involved um, haven't confirmed anyone else yet. I'm sure Jack will be involved as well. Um, if your diary's good, Jack. So watch this space. So 30th of April. Okay, well, thank you. Brendan. So that's the, the next event next Monday. If you can't specifically do Monday, then, then let Brendan know. So back to the panel. We want your questions. We want to get them answered by all the people that have kindly set their, their morning aside to, to share their expertise, findings, and market views. Um, so get your questions in the box so we can get them answered. If you have a question which is very linear and only, only focused for your specific position and may not benefit all the listeners, just message them directly. I'm sure they will help out. So let's get into the, the nitty gritty. Um, as we have a, a, a broad range of, of representatives in, in, in every area of the market, uh, I'm going to go in reverse order. So starting with Ben and ending, ending with Ranjan. Can you please give us a snapshot uh, of where the market is at currently. Evidently, everyone in this group has been pretty hot on what's happening over the last few weeks. So try not to uncover uh, too much uh, dead ground because it's changing so quickly, but more what's, what's happening in the, at, the, at the minute in your area of the market. Try and stay within your specific sector. So for Ben, uh, design and, and delivery and, 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 and smaller developments. And, you know, for example, Daryl in, in finance. Uh, to give each individual an area to, 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 to speak about. So starting with Ben. Um, yeah, so I guess what we're finding with the architectural stuff is that homeowners, uh, phone homeowner inquiries have sort of died down in the last couple of weeks, which was kind of to be expected once everyone gets their head around um, the isolation. But I think people will be stuck in their homes um, thinking, well, okay, I need more space. I need that home office. Now's the time to start doing it. So we expect that to pick up in the next. Um, heavily marketing that currently um, with our development stuff and our develop developer clients um, we haven't really seen a drop-off if I'm honest um, developers still have to work um, the design and the planning um, process is still in full operation so um, we got instructed on a 10-unit scheme in Fulham uh, last week we're due to start a five-unit scheme in Canterbury next week um, the planning offices are still open. I got sent a, a, an interesting COVID-19 working arrangements um, PDF, which I can share around if I can figure out how to do it. In the um, chat box. 
for all of the, the London boroughs. So it's a, a list of the London boroughs updated on the 31st of March, so a week old now. Um, but essentially it's, it's telling us which councils are operating in which way. So who's got remote working set up, who's doing virtual meetings, who's doing virtual site visits. Um, and, you know, the, the big thing to, um, uh, to understand is that everyone, the planning officers are still working. You know, they're working from home. They're working remotely, but they're still working. I had an email Sunday night at 10.30 from a planning officer um, last week, which, you know, in, in normal times, whenever <laughs> would you see that? It's um, unbelievable. So um, unbelievable. they're working and, you know, maybe they're working harder. I don't know. Um, but people are still doing virtual meetings. People are still um, pro progressing applications. I feel like there will be slight delays on some things, um, but they're still giving pre-app information and they're still um, progressing applications. So, um, you know, if anything, I guess my business in terms of the design side of things hasn't really slowed down. Um, and with the, the slowdown of construction sites, people might be turning um, to the design side of their um, projects. If they've been putting some, some things on hold, some things that they bought just before the crisis, um, they're going to be trying to push that through as fast as possible. So that when, when we come out the other side of this, um, they've got everything in place, ready to go. Fantastic. Brilliant. Thanks, Ben. So, Fundamentally speaking to, to everyone out there, planning is, is still going ahead. It might not be at the same speed and you might not be able to do site viewings, but it's still going ahead. So if you've got sites that you might have neglected over the last few weeks because you've been heavily doing construction or de delivery, get those into your, into your daily, daily tasks to chase up. Thanks very much, Ben. So Daryl, uh, a bit of an update on the, on the finance perspective for everyone, please. Yeah, so as Sam alluded to, a lot has changed in the last few weeks. So I've, I've heard some kind of commentators and people compare this to 2008. I'd respectfully disagree with that. I think this is nothing like 2008, but it is incredibly disruptive. So the market benefits at the moment from quite a lot of well-capitalised banks. Most of those banks are continuing to lend, albeit at reduced loan-to-values or loan-to-GDVs anyway. Um, and then on the other side of the market, we've got the kind of smaller lenders, which very much is where the Lenwell camp is. And, and the funding in this area tends to be either private individuals or potentially large hedge funds and pension funds. There's more turbulence in, in our part of the market right now. But that, that's not because there is no liquidity available. It's because people trying to plan for when is the most effective incentive to deploy that liquidity. So there's a bit of a flat cash at the minute. All of the funds want cash so that they can hold it and figure out where's the right place to redeploy it in the future. And I suspect that the right place will be property. Actually, property will look even stronger as a result of this crisis. But it does mean in the meantime that loans to GDVs have been pulled in. What, what, if you kind of look at the overall market, the types of products which are no longer available that were available before tend to be the kind of stretched senior development finance. So the stuff that was going to kind of 65 or 70% loan to GDV, most of those products have gone from the market. But the more conservative senior debt at kind of 55, 60% loan to GDV is still there. And conversely, MES finance is still there. And actually, some of the MES lenders are quite keen to put some money in this period because they're not as exposed as they were when they were going behind kind of more stretched finance um, before the crisis hit. I think the other, the other kind of sort of things in my mind at the moment is there are some practical considerations around lending. So Sam mentioned the challenges with getting valuations. Development finance is the area where you're most likely to get a valuation because it's, you know, it could be just a piece of land or 
could be a derelict commercial property where you're more likely to get a surveyor out, but it's certainly not uniform with many valuation firms deciding just to do no reports whatsoever during this period. So if you're kind of committed to a project or if you're looking to uh, secure a project for the future, I think the key at the moment is to just professionalise the way that you present those deals. The lenders that are still in the market are very busy. They're still seeing lots of applications. They're still seeing lots of inquiries. So that has meant that it's taking kind of longer to get replies from people. So the better you can kind of present your project, present your proposal and present your pitch, the more likely you are to kind of get to the top of the pile of those cases that lenders are looking at. And equally, it helps people just to make a decision very quickly on whether a deal's fundable in the current market or not. So overall, you know, the message is it's, it, it's different, definitely need a bit of expertise to help navigate it, but money's still there to fund property development. Perhaps not as much gearing as you could get before, but still decent levels of gearing. Um, and just make sure that you spend the time professionalising your development appraisals um, so that it's easy for lenders to make decisions. Thank you very much, Daryl. I, I like the point about the, the MES finance has now taken a slightly lower uh, LTV value because the banks are dropping theirs. So therefore, you can technically achieve the same LTVs, but you've just got to blend two different types of finances, which I think is a good uh, tip for some people maybe maybe struggling to fund those deals. Thanks, Darren, and we'll come back for, for more nuggets from you there. So moving on to John Howard, what have you found uh, from, the, from the larger scale side of things uh, as is happening recently? Well, the first thing, Jack, I would say, I do do plenty of small deals, and I love small deals. I don't always want to put my neck on the line for the big deals, I can assure you. Um, so um, I've survived three property recessions in the past, and uh, coming out of those recessions, I've done very well. I've more, you know, I'll be more successful coming out for the first two or three years than I have any time uh, since, really. So this is different. I accept that completely. I think a lot of people are being super um, enthusiastic about it in terms of their upbeat and so on. Uh, and I'm a very uh, passionate, upbeat guy who who always looks uh, the cup is half full. However, it's far too early to say what is going to happen. Far too early. Property is like a big boat. It takes a long time to stop normally and turn around and come the other direction. This is different. I accept that. It's, it's, been a, it's like the shutters coming down within literally a week. And let's all hope when they come up again, we can get back to exactly where we were before. However, as my business partner who's an accountant and doesn't like crossing the road will tell me, this could be a depression, not a recession. If enough people lose their jobs, we're all in big trouble, big trouble. And the people who are going to survive are the people with cash. Cash will be king. You borrowing money at 50%, which is what we do, roughly 50, 60 sometimes, we should be okay. We've got some capital. But for the ones who are bridging at 15, 20%, it's total madness in the first place. Always has been total madness. How on earth do you make any money if you're borrowing 15, 20%? It's bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. These people can get into trouble. The bridges won't help them out. They're not helping them out with an interest-free period at the moment or anything else. As far as I'm aware, the ones I've spoken to aren't. They're going to be in trouble. Auctions will be the first sign of trouble. Auctions. Now, there's a well-known auctioneer uh, who's just said he's, they've just sold 73% auction this time round. Look at how many they've actually sold compared to how many were in the auction. That doesn't make sense. 
sense. And the reason that doesn't make sense is because they haven't taken into account all the properties that are withdrawn from the market. So if they don't get a bid on day, it's withdrawn. If they don't get any interest before the auction, it's withdrawn. So those figures are very, very misleading. Fantastic. Thank you very much, John. Um, insightful and uh, some, some key takeaways from, from what we can look for and, and seek to, 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 for some telltale signs there. So moving on to Justine now, can you give us a bit of an overview of what you've been facing? Probably more sort of firefighting on the tenant front, but I'll, I'll let you uh, delve into <laughs> your detail. Well, fingers crossed, so far not too bad. Uh, we've had a lot of contact with all of our tenants and, and we've kept the communication lines open and uh, Julia in particular has been very good at, at making sure that people are kept in touch with what, what we're thinking and if they've got any troubles, that sort of thing. So uh, as long as we keep communication lines open, that seems to be all good so far. Um, We've been doing things like virtual tours. We've got one uh, property that is uh, that is empty at the moment. We had somebody due to move in, but unfortunately they're uh, they're stuck in France, so they're not going to be moving in. Um, so there's, the I think we're 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 not unusual in the sense that we've got the same challenges as most other people have. Um, with our new developments going forward, we we have had to make some decisions on that. We were quite lucky in that we were just literally due to exchange on one. Um, before everything hit and um, and because that 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 basically gave us the opportunity to just pause it um, I think actually that's been a very good thing for us it's it's, it's meant that we can go back to to think about what we want to do and with the second one we're actually going to wait for that one to go through planning we were going to buy it unconditionally but actually we're now going to wait until it's gone through planning and we can confirm what we can get out of it so I think there are, you know, it, it's a challenging time with our investors on the on the care home side, for example, although the fundamentals are still that there is an enormous demand for um, whether that's assisted living or care home rooms or any of those sort of side of things. If you look at the, the sort of fundamentals of the economics and the and the demographics, then ultimately there are there is a there is definitely still a huge demand there and a very growing market. However, everybody seems to want to hit the pause button at the moment. And, um, and I think that's, that's pretty wise. And it all comes down to how we think this is going to recover. Is it going to be a very quick recovery? Um, is it going to be something that's slow and everybody's going to be a lot more cautious? And I think um, from our point of view at the moment, with, for example, the new build clients that we're working with, we're working on the design side with people who are building new care homes, that's ploughing ahead because the long-term fundamentals seem to be that people are very confident that that's going to be there. So nothing has changed from our point of view on, on that side of things. We're still continuing to do all of the design work for them. But actually anything that is a refurb, for example, where you've actually got people uh, living in the properties while you're actually doing the refurb, all of that has stopped, obviously, for, for, for obvious reasons. You can't keep social distance very easily within a care home. Um, and so we are finding challenges, I think, in the same way that most people are. But also the fact is, is that ultimately we still have faith in the fact that we want to buy and keep most of our developments. We're finding that most of our investors who want to work on the care side are still saying that they want to do that, but with a little bit more caution and with possibly taking this, this time to take a pause and reevaluate. Very, very key there. We've we've done similar things in our business. We've we've paused some and and uh, looking to sort of see see how the market pans out. So yeah, key, key information there. And Paul, Mr. Paul Higgs, are you still here? I'm still here. So what do you what have you what have you seen changing and and what have you noticed and and uh, you know how have you potentially tweaked your 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 approach over the last few weeks? 
Yeah, so I've got there's a few different things going on. I mean, actually, I've been I've been really ill, and I'm really ill at the moment, actually. So um, I, I'm pretty much not in the mood for doing anything. Um, so I'm not doing very much at all. But but um, just in terms of the guys that work for me in sort of general business, um, I agree with Ben on the planning. So you know, planners are still working, but you know, planning slow enough and difficult enough as it is <laughs> at the best of time. So yeah. certainly not going to be going any faster. Um, um, and likewise, agree with John on the, you know, I've also seen three or four recessions yeah. and this is different, uh, I think, yeah. to, to the other ones. And who knows what's going to happen? Um, bottom line is the market hates uncertainty. And, you know, I, I can't think of anything more uncertain than, than what we're what we're looking at at the moment it's unprecedented it hasn't really happened before who knows where it's all gonna you know how long it's gonna go on and where it will all end up so personally i i've parked everything so i uh, i was in um three three developments i was just in the process of trying to um finance over the last couple of weeks loan to values have, have pretty much gone from 75 percent to 50 percent in 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 the course of a week so um um and you know if the terms are worse everywhere it takes forever i've just basically decided to park everything and um you know see we see where we're, we are in a couple of months because there's there's no point trying to second guess things because no one really knows for sure no. okay. um uh, i mean one final thing to mention because um in terms of landowners because at the end of the day there without a shadow of a doubt there will be more deals and more opportunities around um, at the end of all of this than I, at any time I can ever imagine, um, just by virtue of the fact that you know there's going to lot, lots lots of landowners are going to be financially struggling and going to want or need to sell. Likewise, with lots of little, little businesses. Likewise, with lots of landowners that have always known that their lands had development potential, but they but they wait until they retire or they're sitting on it and they think, well, I'll sell in a couple of years' time or whatever. So so I I think you know landowners selling decisions will be brought forward um, at the end of all of this and there will just be more deals and more opportunities around um, that any time I can ever imagine really as a, as a result of all of this um, you know forcing people into needing to sell so um, that's it really I mean I mean I, I work with 20 SME developers on a little um, private mentorship thing I run and um, you know our main model is spotting things with development potential and approaching owners directly, so properly off market, um, direct to vendor. And um, the guys are um, cracking on with 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 that as 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 always, and they're actually getting um, slightly better response rates than normal, um, uh, largely I think because people are, are stuck in stuck indoors. Whereas historically they might stick the stick the letter on the mantelpiece and skim it and then think, oh, I'll well, get back to that sign. That they've got they've got time on their hands so you know we, we are getting a lot more responses from landowners cool brilliant thank you very much paul so anyone out there looking to do direct to vendor lettering uh you this might be a better opportunity to to to, to put that letter through i know kanishka thaka asked a question which we'll come back to later but his question is for people just starting out looking to do their first deal what are some productive steps uh someone can take in this period to remain proactive uh, since taking on a deal right now might not be the best idea, but like Paul just said, um, people are picking up uh, letters probably a better ratio than normal, and and the deal's not going to happen tomorrow uh, anyway. So that might be a good step that you could potentially take. To finish off uh, on on where the markets are at in different sectors, Ranjan, would you like to share your perspective on the landscape? 
Brandon, again. Again. there we go. Am I, uh, can you hear me okay? Yeah, you're all good to go. Um, okay, I think what I'd say is, um, why, is this, why is this different from last time or the previous recessions? If we look at the 1990s or the 2009 credit crunch, there's, there's been an event and the event has happened instantaneously almost. And then we as investors have dealt with the aftermath. What's different this time around is the event hasn't happened yet. It's still happening. Um, and that's why it's too early. And I've never really experienced this, where we're in the middle of the crisis rather than it's happened, it's been past tense, and we're dealing with the aftermath. In the 1990s, it was interest rates hiked up to 15% overnight. In, the, in 2009, it was a sudden shrinking of credit. But here, we're still living through the event. We don't know how that event is going to unfold. Hence, we can't deal with the aftermath. There are going to be some, um, in terms of who's going to survive this, many people will fail. Uh, and I think there are three, three things that will determine who's going to succeed and who's going to be at the, at the other end. One is having decent cash reserves. Secondly, is having low gearing across the board. The people who have gone for above 70% gearing and maybe taking private investors' money and stuff like that, um, a, a lot of those models will be of problems. Um, and the third element is going to be quality stock. Uh, the fundamentals of the stock have got to be decent. Those are the people that will actually come through this um, and survive. A um, couple of comments on direct-to-vendor marketing. We've been doing some direct-to-vendor marketing with commercial property. And that has, and again, I fully agree with Paul, the response rates have been much higher than normal. And the properties we're targeting are uh, commercial properties which have permitted development potential to convert to residential, uh, where the current owner is probably unlikely to be receiving rent uh, due to the uh, you know, COVID-19 crisis. On the COVID-19 crisis and how it's affecting commercial property, it's quite different from residential buy-to-let. Um, Knight Frank put out a survey last week, or the, uh, just after the 25th of um, March quarter-day uh, rent payments, and they said that across the board, 30% of people, uh, sorry, 30%, only 30% of commercial rents were paid for last quarter. I agree with that. It seems to be that the big companies are holding back. Um, we personally, in our own portfolio, we collected um, uh, just over 70%. And one of the reasons for that, I feel, is our tenant base. We've got the big guys, the guys you've all heard of, the high street chains, um, Costas and Greggs and Powell's and all these high street people we've got. But we've also got plenty of mom and pop tenants, people with two or three shops, um, people who we rent to, uh, we, the, the proprietor's name as an individual is on the lease and they are UK homeowners. They know it's not a holiday. They know um, that it's got to be paid eventually. They also know what the government have done, which are, is they've given the tenants, commercial tenants, help to actually pay their fixed costs during this crisis. If you own a, coffee, a chain of coffee shops, you're in receipt of £20,000 grant, not loan, per store that you have, depending on your business rates liability, up to a maximum of £800,000 grant, which, which you can replace the word free money uh, for that. Um, so, so if you've got a chain of stores, you're getting 800 grand for free if you've got yeah. a chain of them. And some of these guys are choosing not to pay. 
The government have given all the help to the commercial tenants, but they've given no help to commercial landlords no. because there is no um, insistence by the government that commercial lenders have to give commercial landlords a rent payment holiday on their, um, on their commercial loans. And this could be a problem, um, and particularly if it lasts more than two quarters uh, for many commercial property landlords. And I think the government have missed this. They've given the help to the commercial tenants and the bigger ones are not using that help to pass on rent to landlords who are often much, much smaller than they are and are pension funds and the small time people. Absolutely. Um, so that's one thing that's happening um, in the uh, commercial marketplace. I'll make a couple of comments about the uh, auction that happened because auctions are seen as a big barometer of what's happening in the property market. And I just wanted to echo John Howard's comments. Uh, you can't really judge the figures anymore because the rules have changed. And let me explain why. Um, in the old days, I say old days, it was only a few weeks ago, when, auction took, when auctions took place in a physical meeting room, um, the, the auctioneer didn't know whether there would be naught bids on a property or 10 bids on a property. Uh, but today in the online environment, before the auction happens, the auctioneer knows because everyone has to pre-register. So the auctioneer knows if lot number 10 has no bids. And if lot number 10 has no bids, they will simply withdraw it from sale. And that then completely changes the percentage sold figures. So what I advise you to do is ignore the published success rate figures that are coming out of auctioneers and look at the, the number of properties sold against the number of properties which were in the original catalogue. You do that for all software, is something like 30%. Yep. The interesting thing is to look at what's sold. Um, what has sold very well um, are shops, which are still trading during these crises, so pharmacies, stores. supermarkets, convenience stores, yep. and interestingly, funeral directors. That's suddenly an alive business as well. Um, those sort of uh, outlets which are let to people on long leases have continued to do well. The other types of lots that did well in the, um, in the, in the catalogue were, which is what I bang on about, and I've got this in a YouTube video, um, five things to look for when buying on the high street, is lots in affluent areas. So affluent areas where the demographic footfall in the immediate area is good and strong those retail lots have done well and haven't traded at too much less than their pre-COVID-19 le uh, levels. What has taken a massive hit is short leases in tertiary parades, secondary parades. Um, and what I'm seeing is that people are missing is permitted development opportunities. I, uh, there are still plenty of lots where people are looking at tertiary parades um, with relatively short leases and missing the fact that those sites have permitted development rights to convert all or significant parts of that floor space into <coughs> residential usage. And that's gonna be a great opportunity um, uh, uh, coming up. Um, on the offices side, again, my own experience with offices, we had a new service office and business center, which was uh, coming to the market just pre-COVID-19 crisis. Again, that demand for that has just tanked the people that were going to move in as delayed and um, uh, it, I mean it was amazing just after the election result it was guns are blazing for serviced offices everyone was expanding people were moving into larger premises people were growing 
and that has just ground to a halt. But I do actually see serviced offices bouncing back because what I see is that um, there are going to be more businesses who will want that flexibility with the lease and flexibility with the space uh, and will be less willing to sign up for a five, 10 year office deal. Uh, so I see a greater demand for serviced offices and I see a quick bouncing back of that uh, when the market uh, comes back. But at the moment, serviced office operators are, are in problems particularly the ones operating a rent-to-rent -rent model, which don't own their own building. Some of those business models will actually be challenged, which will leave more um, opportunity for the guys left um, uh, at the end. Brilliant, thanks very much, Ranjan. I've been jotting down some, some, some notes here. Uh, to briefly summarize for all the listeners, Ranjan mentioned PD as, as his preferred exit in times like these, but. I just reiterate, I think that's just a second exit or a third exit. So whatever you're doing, it doesn't necessarily have to be PD, but what else can you be doing as an exit? Because your primary exit is, is currently volatile or, or changed. Um, second to that, Ranjan, which I picked up on, which we do and I think is key in this moment in time, rather than just stress testing your asset, which is what most people do, they stack the deal and they stack the tenant that's coming in there, stress test your tenant. Stress test what your tenant's vulnerability is Good and what point. their exposure is. So that's again like delving right into the detail of if that knock-on effect comes, stress test your tenant and then you're stress testing your asset even further. So that's another key one. And my favorite quote this far ever from Ranjan, which is funeral directors and a live business. <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't really laugh at that but i had to reiterate that jack so, jack can you hear me yeah brendan look i just want to bring in my sponsor royal fletcher baker again just a, a brief mention from paul he's using phone because sometimes phone audio can be a lot better than um so let's give paul a chance because these events wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for my sponsor so i want to give my sponsors the opportunity as much as possible of course ben is one of my sponsors as well or architecture. Um, Paul, can you hear me? Paul? Paul Pinder? Paul? He's on, he's on Paul, mute. Paul he's muted. Mute yeah, I, I have unmuted him a few times. Uh, let me just send him a message. Jack, I, I've, I've asked him to be ready. Um, I'll crack on with the panel, and when he's ready, you can message in the comment box. So thanks very much, Ranjan. I think that's key insights for, for commercial property uh, ownership and, and, and what maybe, maybe individuals can looking for. And, and when Ben and I take on a project, we always look at a second exit or a third exit just in case our primary fails. Um, so huge, hugely in insightful. Paul Higgs, I know that you mentioned you've put everything on hold for the moment. Uh, is there anything that you're doing over the next few weeks um, that's not subject to hearing more uh, information of of you know what's happening well i mean i'm still um working with people in um, other developers in jvs and partnerships and still you know cracking on negotiating deals with people and um you know the the, the, the fact of the matter is you know ne negotiating development deals is is not a, a quick process anyway so um so i'm just carrying on with all of that um, I, saw, I saw in one of the questions someone asked about um, creative strategies and they mentioned option agreements. Now, um, 
it's just worth worth mentioning, I think, because it is important. 90% of my deals are prob- probably um, option agreements. And um, of course, the beauty of those is that you are not bound to do the deal. So if, if um, shit really hits the fan and everything goes tits up, well, you know, I just, I just don't do those deals. So, you know, that's, I think that's always a sensible approach, whatever's happening with the market. I mean, why, why, why would you not type a site on an option if you could? So, um, yeah, just crack, cracking on um, trying doing deals really, but, but not, doing any, not doing anything that's going to sort of bind myself um, or tie myself in long term when we don't know what long term is going to be. It's, yeah, it's, dif- it's difficult to tell when, when things are changing daily. And I, I know that your strategy is, is probably a, b- a bit of a larger swoop than sort of a, an in-and-out development within six months or, or eight months. <coughs> um, Justine, would you like to add what your, what your strategy uh, is? Well, what you can be working on for the now. Uh, obviously, there is subject to change, but what you are trying to keep yourself busy with um, and, and, and enhancing your business. It's been it's been quite interesting actually because the um, the two projects that we were very keen to get cracking on straight away, which we've now paused, it's very similar to Paul. Um, it's actually made us focus now on some of the other opportunities that are available. Um, and funnily enough, a lot of the direct vendor expectations seem to have been um, altered recently. Um, we've got a couple of projects that I'm thinking of in particular where the expectation of the the cost of the land or the cost of the building was actually very very um, very very high and the and the vendors really weren't um, interested in negotiating too much and both of those have now come back to us to reopen negotiations and um, so it's quite an interesting one we clearly are not in a rush now to do that whereas in the past we were quite keen to be the ones to get things moving and it just feels a little bit like the the um, the balance has changed a little bit they're much keener to get things moving on the um, care side and the interior design side, what we're finding is, is that um, the care home side, any any projects at all that are that you know that have people within the project are, are are definitely completely on hold, and nobody even wants to talk about the next phase, if you like, because they can't see past what's going to happen. But new build wise and new project wise, everybody's still very keen to get the design process up and running because obviously people have got a lot more time now to spend the time considering how each space is going to be used. And so that's actually become quite a useful factor for us. Um, and I think generally what, what is coming back to us from, from um, many aspects is the fact that we are very still very keen to do the two projects, the two original projects that I spoke to you about we're still very keen to get those up and running and moving because they're both very good deals. Um, but I think the, the key now is not to do anything at a rush and not to do anything without a, you know, a good amount of money staying in the bank. We don't want to be taking any risks. It's quite ironic in a lot of ways in the sense that you know 2020 started and, and I think everybody felt this huge buzz of positivity. And certainly for us, we were incredibly keen to get everything moving as quickly as possible. And we felt this like, you know, new decade. It's all very exciting. And it feels a lot like we've had the brakes sort of slammed on now. But I think what it has definitely meant for Julia and I is we've had more time to consider where we're heading, where we want, what we want to be doing. And also looking at, um, as you say, considering different, different exits as well. So not necessarily just looking at the one or two exits that we were looking at, but also looking at what other options there are out there. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks, Justine. I, I completely agree. I mean, someone said to, I'm in a mastermind group and someone said to me, 
uh, the other day, what have you got to lose by just holding out for a few weeks? I mean, they're not going to sell it to anyone else in this current climate. You're either exactly going to get right. a safe deal or a better deal. That's it. Um, brilliant insight there. And uh, moving on to John. John, what I mentioned is too early to know what's going to happen. Uh, but I'm, by judge of character, I don't think you're going to be sat on your hands over thanks, the next few thanks, weeks. Thanks for that, so, Jack. Yeah, my so wife's keeping me very busy. Don't worry about that. So um, a few things. First of all, what, what you don't know what's a good deal. So, you know, I, I, you know, I hear Justin saying, look, it's, I've got a good, uh, it's a good deal, so I'm going to keep doing it. But how do you know it's a good deal? Never catch a falling knife. That's, that's always been my philosophy. And Ranjan stole it the other day, and I'm a bit annoyed about that, but there we go. Thank uh, you, Ranjan. But anyway, never catch a falling knife. So you never, you know, you, we don't know where this is going to end. It might end up very quickly. We might end up all back to normal, and it may not be a problem. We might look back in a year's time and think, you know what? Cool, that was tricky, but we got away with it. We may not. If you don't know, what on earth are you doing? What on earth are you doing? Unless, you, unless you're a gambler. And you want to put, you know, might as well go and put money on a Well, you can't do any gambling on horses at the moment, but you might as well do that because we don't know where we are yet. So it's incredibly early times. It's the time to sit back, relax, get yourself organised. Um, I've got, talking about, looking at Ranjan now actually, but talking about my commercial tenants, I've got a rule with commercial tenants. If they're smaller than I am financially, then I'm very happy to support them. If they're bigger than me, there's no chance of getting the rent-free period, which they've been asking for. And I'm talking about some of the national tenants I've got. Yes, yes. There's no chance I'm doing that whatsoever. Yes. Like Ranjan said, yes. they've had help, they've had support, tough. So if you have any tenants out there that are bigger than you, let other landlords decide to give them a rent-free period. You keep quiet about it. And by the time enough landlords have said yes to them, hopefully they'll be able to pay your quarter's rent in advance like they should be doing. That's how I see things at the moment. In terms of negotiating deals, as I said, we just don't know what's good and what isn't. If it's a small, you know, if you're buying a small property and it looks cheap and the rental return's good, then I wouldn't worry too much about it. I'm talking about slightly bigger projects and developments. Fantastic. So, John, while we're on that topic, we've had a few yeah. questions from individuals. So, for people with businesses, it's about managing your strategy, your portfolio, your tenants, maybe doing some smaller deals that less expose you for a rental yield more so than a profit of, of development. But what would you advise potentially someone that's setting out in this market without any you know, prerequisite business experience? What would you be advising that they look to do? It, it, you know, they, um, they, ha they you know, haven't got a portfolio of deals behind no. them. What would you advise they do to sort of use this time to, to build a business? Well, I would, I would really um, uh, look to do as much education as I can do, which isn't going to cost a fortune because I don't believe in expensive education. Um, but I think, I mean, I'm doing, a, I'm doing some online, they're called webinars now, apparently. I've been told off by Vanessa Warwick for calling them seminars still, but they're now called, because they're online on Zoom, they're going to be called webinars, apparently. So anyway, so I'm, doing, I'm keeping busy doing things like that as well. But I think the more education, the more information people can gather, but remember who you're talking to. You want to be talking to people who've got gravitas, experience, you know, not someone who's, you know, who's just got into the business themselves. 
and giving all this free advice out because why you listen to them you've got to listen to the people like on this panel today with experience with you know with with huge amount of integrity and that's what it's about fantastic brilliant so use this time to sort of Build up your knowledge base Absolutely. and understand the market. Yeah, and, totally. and, and also, can I say, build up your contacts. Because you know, the more people you're talking to on LinkedIn, all these other things, the better. It's all about contacts, all about who you know. Because they may know someone in three months' time who's in trouble, gives you a ring and says, look, if you get in quit, you can have it for this. I'll take a you know, commission out of it. That's what it's about. It's about contacts. This business is about as many contacts as you can get. I completely agree there. I completely agree. I'm actually currently doing an exercise. I mean, over the last few years, we've probably worked with three or four banks. Um, over the last two weeks, because we've had banks pull out, that's expanded to communicating with a lot more. So I'm yeah, it's, it's made us all do more like that, which is yeah, really yeah. good and healthy. Yeah, so I'm building a, basically a bank contact details that yeah. I have that, that will make the business a bit more robust. Come, and come and Jack, can I just quickly say something about banks? Yes. Because uh, politically, they've all been spoken to by the government, these big banks, all of them have. And they've been told to give interest-free periods to, to, to as many people as they can. And you and I know, especially one whose name begins with S, who are not doing so. They're not giving any interest-free periods to anyone at the moment. We've got onto the government about it, and I'm hoping they'll be forced to do so. But who knows? Maybe they have the same rule as you. If the borrower is smaller than them, then they can give them a, an interest-free payment time. Well, you'd have thought so. That means everyone gets an interest, which I'm delighted about. <laughs> there we go. Thank you very much, John. I'm sure we'll come Pleasure. back to you very, very soon. Uh, moving on to Daryl. What have you um, been noticing? And, and maybe from your perspective, what would you advise uh, SME, medium-sized, large-sized developers to be, to be looking at over the next few weeks? Yeah, thanks, Jack. I'll, I'll come on to that question in a sec, but just a quick thing to follow up on um, interest holidays, mortgage holidays, whatever you, whatever you want to call them. And John might have been referring to Shawbrook. I'm trying to think of other banks beginning with, with S, but anyway. Um, I couldn't possibly comment. If he was, Shawbrook are offering mortgage holidays. They have an online website that we put a few clients not on. To, not, not to developers, they're not. No, not to developers. And not to developers. And they're the people who started Shawbrook off originally when we started borrowing money off Shawbrook. They had 60 people working for them. So, you know, they need to look after people, look after them. Yeah, so it's not longer at Shawbrook, but I do work with some of those people that are in that yeah. scene. Um, yeah. So what I'll say is mortgage holidays, interest holidays is the wrong word. They're actually, it, all it really is, is a deferment of that payment. That the government policy has come out on um, encouraging these is that if you've got a rental investment property portfolio and you stop getting rent, you haven't got the cash flow to meet your monthly mortgage repayments. Typically, on a development finance facility, it doesn't work like that. There's not a cash flow implication as such because the mortgage interest is rolled into the overall loan facility. So there's no monthly payments to make. So there's no effective cash flow issue on the loan per se where those lenders will need to come into their own and where they'll need to be flexible. And we're doing a lot of work at the moment helping clients to kind of achieve these outcomes of these lenders is they're going to need time. So for them, it's not about deferring payments. It's about saying at an 18 month term, I've just lost three months of building potential. I can't sell into them. I need another three, six months. Now we don't know how well the lending market will react to those requests yet because we're not at that point. 
it's too early in the crisis. Um, but I'm quite confident that most of them will respond quite sympathetically to it, as long as they... I'm not. I'm not, Dale. We, we will see when we get there. But that's just... just, that. just we'll see. We'll see. That word on holidays, it's not a holiday. You still have the No. Whatever way you look at it. Um, so on that topic. Then on the flip side, coming back to Jack's point about what can we, um, what can we do during this time. So quite interesting hearing Ranjan talk about what's happening in the auction rooms and the trends for people buying today. I guess my, my honest view on it is I'm, I'm hopeful that this crisis won't go on for too long. So too long in my mind is maybe three to six months and like that before we start to see some green shoots of, of recovery and some signs of normality. So if a COVID-19 style um, market begins to appear, I actually don't think that's a great investment because for me, this is all temporary. Any COVID-19 market will pass as and when the disease is defeated and then we'll go back to a different sort of market with whatever the, the job situation looks like and whatever business looks like out the other side. So for me, kind of echoing some of the other comments, this is the time for, for two things really. So if you're in a deal or you're committed to a deal, it's about finding solutions to be able to fund and proceed with that deal because the consequences of not doing it will cost you too much because you've invested too much in and that's a, a risk decision you've made. But if you do that, you need to be very mindful of what's going to happen to GDVs. None of us know. I think that's the biggest, the biggest risk. Yeah. Second biggest risk with cracking on anything now is the supply chains for building materials. So one of the business partners um, in our company sells one in four of the bricks in the UK. And, and they're sort of giving us intel now and again as to what's happening in their business. And effectively, UK bricks are produced by a series of kilns across the country. Those kilns are not operating. When they start to operate again, it will take three months to get back up to speed. And before this crisis, they were absolutely flat out, flat out to the point where more and more expensive bricks were being imported from other countries, notably Italy as the main exporter of bricks, because we didn't have enough and we couldn't produce enough to meet demand. So I don't I think... You we... use cladding instead. <laughs> so I think... I don't worry too much about delays on the building side because I think it'll be manageable, but there will be some challenges with, with supply lines, no doubt. It's CDVs that I'm kind of really focused on and what that means longer term because that's ultimately the bit flex that will affect us all the most. So then the other side of it is if you're not in that situation, so you're not committed to a deal and you don't want to gamble, then actually this is a fantastic time just to, just to prepare, just research the market, just stay close to what's happening Stay close to all of the bits of insight and data and stats that come out. Keep your finger on the pulse. Build your contact base. That's exactly what we're doing in our business. Um, there'll be some good opportunities along the way where they're just too good to turn, turn down. Do them. But on the, on the main, I think it's a case of waiting for us to come out the other side with a slightly clearer outlook before we can kind of really get into capitalising on some of the discounted sites that will be available. Fantastic. So we, we touched on the difference in obviously funding for, for a buy-to-let landlord and a development landlord. Can you briefly explain what buy-to-let landlords might be facing and how they may be able to resolve those issues and the exact same for a developer and their, their shorter term finance, what issues they may be facing and how they could potentially resolve them as well? Yeah, so I think on, on the buy-to-let side, really it's just about cash flow. So if you're a commercial landlord, it, I think you're in a more difficult position. So Randon spent a lot of time talking around, you know, bigger, larger corporate tenants not paying and things like this, which we're hearing a lot of. The banks aren't uniformly offering um, mortgage deferrals on commercial mortgages. So it's a case of negotiating bank by bank. 
On the buy to let side, one of the things I saw a very reputable large landlord suggest that he was doing recently was that stress, he stress tested his whole portfolio on local authority rates. I thought that was really smart. So if we see a situation where people's incomes fall or unemployment rises, then those local authority rates of, of rent are quite a good benchmark to kind of figure out does work or not. And alongside that, if there is short term difficulty with cash flow with meeting payments, nearly every bank is offering um, mortgage deferrals on buy-to-let mortgages, so they're there. Although I would say from what I've seen so far, the lenders are incredibly busy and behind trying to get the, through the backlog of those problems. Small kind of word of warning on, on that topic as well is, I really think if, if you need it, you should definitely go and take the help from your lender. If you don't need it, think hard about it. Um, so we were acting for a client recently, who's a very high profile former Premier League footballer, he, in his words, chanced his arm and asked, asked his bank for a mortgage holiday payment. And then the next day, put in a new deal to buy a commercial property, actually. And the bank said, hang on a minute, you can't afford the loans you've got. So we can't responsibly lend you any more money. And it caused some difficulties there. So I think great tool for those that need it. Wouldn't necessarily chance it if you don't need it because it might, uh, I don't it won't impact on your credit record per se, but it might impact on your kind of reputation with that lender if your business needs to take help you know two weeks three weeks into a crisis that, that's got a bit more to run yet then on the development side it's a bit like i'm saying it's not about cash flow it's about time so it might be extending some of those opportunities to give further time so something that's quite common at the moment that people will hold properties as an investment just for a reasonably short period of time might be two years might be three years and there's some lending products out there in the market to kind of take it away from development finance and put it on a, a medium term investment type mortgage, assuming those properties work in terms of being let and there's demand for tenants and things. So there's quite, you know, it's quite a wide range of solutions out there. It's different problems that might come up. Thank you very much, Daryl. We've, um, I mean, we, we've, we've, you know, we're facing change and transition between finance banks. That's really useful uh, to hear. And, and the, the stress testing your, your, your your resi portfolio whether that's buy to let or hmos is key i think that was you're referring to rod turner there who stress tested to lha and to any listeners that have hmos or a buy to let put portfolio to find out those figures if you just google lha rates in the area that your property is in there will be a schedule which was recently reduced re released and updated that will indicate what you can achieve on on local authority rates and that's for rooms so you could if you have a five bed hmo you obviously multiply the lha rate per room and you can obviously do that for for individuals so anyone out there that's got a stack on their asset and they make sure that they stress test it to an lha they can test to see if it covers all their costs including uh, if they're, they're not going on mortgage on days mortgage costs and, and all your all your utilities and costs under umbrella which and, and the rates aren't actually that bad. So you may find that if you convert to LHA rates, your, your, your assets will probably stay alive. And it's obviously government backed, which is pretty key. So if you can't get a grant and if you can't get support and you can't get a loan, you can't get mortgage holiday, the next best thing is you can get gar guaranteed government backed rental from LHA. That's a really key point there, Daryl. And last but not least, Ben Richards, what, what, what are you seeing and, and what would you advise uh, for people to utilize this time until we do have certainty uh, and what are you going to be focusing on both in your architectural business and in the development business? Yeah I think a few people have touched on it already but um, 
the one one of the positive things to come out of this is is the communication between everyone i think the yeah. way that we are communicating um you know this we would never have done um before covid19 um take this opportunity to set up processes and systems so we as a business and, and myself and um you know jack and and or architecture as well everything is cloud-based we have remote working facilities um i use so different pieces of software to to log in remotely to um my my team's computers um we use screen sharing we use a, a soft pdf editing software called bluebeam which i pretty much live on it's an ability it enables me to edit pdfs to scribble on them to change things to cut to edit um, the way that i communicate with other people and the way that other people will communicate following this will be far better than what it was before um, so for me, it's taking, you know, whether it's a property business or any business, taking this opportunity to really look at your processes and how you work internally, improving them, setting up systems. I know that a lot of the IT companies that I have been speaking to are busy than ever trying to you know, set up people on things like this, set up their cloud-based systems. Um, and I think touching on what Ranjan said about serviced offices, I think out the back end of this, companies will realize that people can work from home a hell of a lot easier. People can have you know, laptops and, and be out and about um, whilst still being productive, if not more productive. Um, they haven't got the travel costs. They haven't got the travel, um, you know, the, the hour commute where it's a bit demoralizing. Um, so I think communication, improved systems and processes, those are, two key well three key things i think that will come out the back of this okay nice okay and 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 what would you advise maybe someone uh obviously we're a sme uh, development business that have fairly recently been starting up and a development business of a couple of years old isn't that old so we're sort of still on the on the growth curve what would you advise some of the listeners to be doing with this time other than listening into groups like this to, to look at growing their business Social media, I think um, Sam mentioned it earlier, um, you know, start raising your profile. People, people invest and work with people that they know, like and trust. Um, so the more you can get yourself out there, um, the better. Um, I think it does go back to systems and process. Um, if you're presenting to banks, you know, how professional you come across will have a massive impact on um, the outcome. So speak to other developers, try and get templates and um, systems from, from them and how they operate and, and start building your own bank of, you know, standardized templates that you use, um, standardized stack and standardized sort of financial analysis. Um, and I think it's just the time to, um, to really have a hard look about how you operate and how you should operate going forward to make it as efficient as possible so that when you come out the back end of this, you're coming out even stronger. Good, key, key information there. I, I think that there's, and, and Ben and I have been um, victims of this. Sometimes in growth, you're not looking at, you know, core strategy and completely re reflecting and reevaluating what you're doing. But now you've got the time to, to you know, prepare and get a good business plan in place, which will assist you with, like the Daryl said, present the easy deals, get you know, aligned documents that work together. So it's key time to be focusing in your business rather than necessarily on it, um, which is key. So moving on to, there's been a few questions fired around. We've discussed um, acquisitions, we've discussed new business, we've discussed you know, negotiating new deals. And I think the general consensus here is maybe keep your eye on those and start conversations that might be a, 
a bit more prolonged. But in reality, what are you, you know, how can you assess what is a good deal? Because we don't know where uh, finance is going. We don't know where the market's going, which I think is key. So can we just touch on a bit for the construction of these developments? So people that are mid-construction or about to start construction? Jack, Jack. Jack, are you still there? Basically fight any potential issues going and also the views on what the government is doing to keep the construction industry open because some people agree with it some people don't so starting with Ben and, and working our, our way our way back uh, any tips on construction uh, to keep it going um, what you know what are you specifically doing uh, and, and maybe your views on what the government's trying to achieve by keeping the construction industry open yeah, so hey, oh so Ben can I just yeah. say something we're, we're just over time here so um, literally 11.30 just after 11.30 so this has got to be the final question um, I know there's lots of um, interests and responses and perfect place to come back to again next week and the weeks after I will be doing more online sessions and um, we will come back to Paul in a minute as well. Paul Pinder. Is Paul Higgs still on the line? Because I haven't heard from Paul for a while. Paul? Brandon, can we quickly just run, run through? Yeah, so anyone, I'll invite, you are there. Okay. I'll, I'll invite everyone on the call that if you have to dash off as it is end of time, please do. And we'll work our way through back the panellists that are available to stay on just briefly on construction. Good. And then we will get to Paul. So Ben, Ben, cool. just... A little slot on construction where you're at and to help listeners yeah so, so we, we have we have got one project that is continuing it's a small site where you know it's two to three people working on it max um they're almost limited by the building supplies that they can get they've mm -hmm. thought ahead as much as they can do um and they've they've booked in and, and ordered as much as they can but i feel like in two or three weeks time we're gonna come unstuck in that regard um, and things might start to grind to a halt. I think a lot of plumbing and heating suppliers are just shutting up shops. Um, so we're getting to the point where we're at sort of first fix plumbing and electrical. Um, and I think it, it will start to come to a halt. So I think that the biggest issue is su supply chains and how well, um, and at, at this point, I'm not really sure, you know, Daryl picked up on a good point about bricks and brick supply. Um, I'm not entirely sure where things are going to go. I, 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 I think there'll be a probably sort of four to six week lag. And when things do start to pick back up, everyone's going to be jumping on it. Just like people started jumping on toilet rolls and hand sanitizer. Um, <laughs> people are going to be looking to buy as much materials in as possible. So um, the earlier you can get in on that, the better, I guess, because everyone else is going to be. So I hope we don't get any properties built with hand sanitizer and, uh, and toilet rolls. So, Darren, what have you noticed in terms of construction and where things are moving and, and what have you noticed some developers doing? And I, I also noticed some questions coming in from Manish, which might be relevant if you could share that with the group. Yeah, so um, Manish was asking about, let me read his question out. So, the speed of recovery will depend on the availability of credit. I know lenders have said they're reducing their maximum LTVs, but will they be resuming normal lending supply even at those LTVs? <laughs> Kind of my, my short answer to that is um, I totally agree with the point. Do you need credit for recovery? This is why it was so protracted after 08, because there was no credit available. But what I said in my kind of opening comments, really, this is what I think is different to 08, in that in, in 2008, there just wasn't any credit. The banks didn't have any money. They were having to call in loans just to keep the doors open. 
that's not the situation this time around. So liquidity is out there, both in the banks and also in the hedge funds and private funds as well. It's a case of when they want to deploy it. So, and that all, that all comes down to when they feel it's safe to deploy it. So when there's some certainty around values in particular, there's been all COVID delays, but values is, is a hard thing to mitigate. So I think in the short term, there's still a decent supply of um, lower LTV lending available. So things like you know a 65, 70% buy select mortgage is relatively straightforward to get still. There'll be some niches that are a bit tougher. So if you're looking to kind of develop any commercial property, so not to residential, but to another commercial use, that'll be a bit of a struggle, I think. And in the development space, you're looking at kind of 55, maybe 60 of GDB. And that's kind of our, our short-term market. But my slightly longer-term outlook is, is much more positive. I think once we see a trajectory of what the world looks like after COVID, see what might look like the impact on property values. I think you'll see valuations help if you're buying, doesn't help if you're selling. Uh, but I think at the same time, we then see lenders come back in at normal loan to values based on those new valuations. So kind of 70, 75. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Daryl. And I completely agree with the, the sort of what, what you say, boutique and in, uh, invest investment and finance on the market. Uh, you know, Ben and I's speciality has been creating quite quirky deals and, and that's now coming back to bite us in the arse because banks aren't really familiar with what we're doing. Um, so I, com I completely agree with you there. And I, I think I agree with you that the banks and the liquidity is there because they were sort of stockpiling a bit of a fund that was ready for the Boris bounce or the post Brexit bounce or whatever it was. And it's not happened. So it's still, the cash is still there. Um, pretty key. John, would you like to add a bit of insight to, to, well, discuss anything you want to discuss? Yeah. To off yeah, yeah well, thank, thanks. Thanks, Jack. Yeah. A couple of things really. First of all, I think if you haven't started your development, they'll have hang on or wait. If you're halfway through it, I would get it finished because otherwise, you could be dealing with people like me trying to sell it to them half finished and that won't have a good outcome, I can assure you. Um, so get it finished because you've got more options. You know, you can rent it, you can sell it, you could potentially refinance it. Um, the one thing I would say um, to Dow, and I'm not having a go at lenders, Dow, because I love them. Um, in fact, I did get on Saturday from an, uh, a, a bank in Mayfair, I did get um, a, a loan agreement, which I quickly signed and sent back to them. Uh, and that's at 3%. So, hey, you know, that's great. Um, so they're still lending, so that's good. But what I would say to, to this, Dal, in the past, what's happened is, if you were borrowing money, say you, say you, say you were 60% geared, okay, with the bank, the bank would then revalue the property and find out it's dropped in value. And then they come to you and say, well, we want you to put the extra money in, please. Or we want a personal guarantee, lift a higher personal guarantee or so on. That is what happens if things go wrong, Dal. That's what happens. And that's what you have mentioned today is that, you know, these banks will, they're no one's friends. They will do whatever they need to do to survive. And they will not start lending again at any great amount until it suits them unless the government forced them to do so. And even now, with these loans they're trying to give to people, you know, they're not helping very much at the moment, these banks. I know they're inundated, but they're not helping very much. So we've got to be wise, we've got to be smart, and do not trust these banks. Don't trust them. 
You've only got to look in the past, the history. You can't trust them. They're not us. They're different animal altogether. I, I completely agree. I mean, in, in reality, from banks are your best friends uh, when it comes to buying things. Sure. But they can also, uh, to a certain degree, take advantage of you and not Absolutely. be your best friend. We've had, we've had instances where we've joined forces with a bank to lend on a deal. We've put in the underwriting fee over the legals. We've paid for the survey. Yeah. Valuation's taken place. It's come on, it's, you know, come in with a, a percent of where we need it to. And the bank sort of gets a bit of a jitter and just sits tight for a little while. Yeah. And, and that's exposing the developer or the borrower. So I do completely agree with that. And Daryl... Um, yeah. Sorry, Darryl always is, read the small print, Jack. Always read yeah. the small print in any loan agreement. Most of them say they can have the money back. Most of them yeah. say that yeah, yeah. somewhere along the line. Yeah. Help to buy... I'm sorry, buy to let is different. I completely agree. Sorry, Jack. But I, I think for, for the for the listeners out there, one of the key things to do is, is build a, very, a, 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 a good relationship with a bank that cares about your business, B, a good relationship with a broker that cares about your business. And, um, you know, mine and Daryl's business uh, working together, I know that Daryl cares more about me getting a lend yeah, yeah. than performing with four yeah, or five. And um, what I would say, Jack, the mortgage broker is replaced the bank manager. You don't even know who your bank manager is, really. Let's be honest, most people don't. It's the mortgage broker and someone, you know, someone good, like, you know, it's so important to have that relationship. You've got a special relationship with Dow, which is brilliant. Small, a small bank, brilliant. If you can find that, that's the way forward, probably. Can I just quickly come in on a comment about the banking? The, uh, the buy-to-let lenders are pretty much uh, forced uh, to yeah. play ball. The commercial lenders are not. And what I've no. found very interesting over these last week is to find out what the relationship actually means. Because I've spoken <laughs> to all my commercial lenders, and I tell you, some not of the guys that are giving me the best lunches um, yeah. are not there, but some of the ones that I least expected, and they don't have to, but they have um, you know, just, just given me great terms. Uh, so I think with commercial lending and development lending, speak to the guys, and yeah. this is the time when you'll find out whether there is a relationship there or whether it's all BS. Completely agree. I mean, you, you find out the most information and, and the true colours of, of any relationship when there's, when there's stress uh, on the situation. So it's a good time yeah. to be testing that. And really funny that, that John mentions um, certain banks and certain tenants. Um, and I've also heard uh, another very big developer mention that they're having issues with bigger um, suppliers like uh, Juicens and the, yeah. the larger suppliers. And they've actually reverted to smaller suppliers, more than the mum and pop who are fine. And they're not actually going to go back to the big, big fish because all they're doing is ruining their business, their flow, uh, their expansion. And they're exactly like John said, just, just making the issue of, of not paying out of choice, even though they're getting backing by, by the government. So I, I actually think for our property industry, it's nice that, that a lot of smaller businesses are going to be rubbing shoulders and helping each other in these times and, and, and lose a lot of business for the, the, bigger, the bigger corporates, um, which is key. So we now move into Justine. Would you like to add anything off the tail end of, of John's uh, insights? Well, John scared the bejesus out of me. Um, but <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to do so. I do apologise. I'm only kidding you. I'm only kidding you. 
I think it's a really good it's a really good thing to listen and I, I enjoy listening to everybody especially people who've been through a similar or not that we've been through that's something this similar but people who've been through challenges before and I think one of the things that has been brought up is the fact that people have um, found the people who will stick by them and the people who who they can build the relationships with. And I have to say, we've had the experience of an extremely good letting agent and an extremely poor letting agent all within the last couple of weeks, really. And the difference that you see um, and the, and, and like, as you say, somebody who actually cares about your business compared to somebody who literally sees you as a bit of a nuisance because you're being, you're asking the questions and wanting yeah. to increase the communication. So I think what this does, um, what it does mean is that you are you you definitely see the people who can perform under the pressure and can perform when they need to and there's definitely big ticks in boxes for certain people and also massive question marks now for us over certain other people that we're dealing with and I think that goes across the board um, when it comes to the build teams that we're working with I've actually been so encouraged to see how they've gone about um, about things and how they've actually immediately took to, to, to skeleton staff as you say now it seems to be the supply chain that seems to be the issue with them um but again you know it it brings out the best and the worst in people and i think that's something that we've we've certainly i agree i think supply chain is going to be one of the key the key elements what what i suggest to some people that are struggling with supply chain for materials try using recycled materials it's still there there's going to be more of it yeah. uh, and it's and it's it's very hot at the minute for sustainability and and you can get hold of it still and um, mr higgs would you like to tell off your your end of the end of the show here yeah i mean only a couple of things i i would i totally agree with john um you know banks cannot be trusted Thanks, Paul. for for a, a centimeter so, um, you know, there's no doubt about that. So, um, you know, anyone that, that, that thinks banks are in any way, um, you know, trustworthy is bonkers. So uh, um, just one final thing, though, just on the construction. Now, um, there were lots and lots of contractors, um, big, big and small, just like all of us here are going to be concerned about, you know, what, where, where's the market going to be in two months, three months, four times? Is there going to be loads of work or is it going to be no, no work? Or, or not or not enough work so now's a, a pretty good time actually to get properly tendering stuff um and testing the market because i would imagine you're going to get some pretty good deals um from contractors over the next couple of months just because uh, you know it's almost like um you know let, 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 let's let's buy this one let's make sure we get the job because who knows how much work's going to be around in six months time. yeah I completely agree. Everyone know one of the most difficult things to get out of a contractual <laughs> builder is a tender. So while they're sat at home, you could be working on that with them. Fantastic. And Ranjan, finalise? I've actually got um, a very positive pre-app uh, last week, which was the first time, uh, I mean, you could never get hold of councils, but the uh, my people who are dealing with it managed to get them all on a group Skype and that's the first time they told me that's the first time they'd ever managed to get anyone from Islington Council on a on a on a, <laughs> on a, on a Skype uh, call for a pre-app uh, thing so and and she also told me that their tone was a lot more conciliatory which maybe uh, maybe some planning people have been a, a little bit mellowed um, 
But uh, I'm also hearing as well, I mean, I've got another project which we have not started. Uh, it's empty because I don't see, when I start a construction project, it's, it's pretty much on a pretty fixed project plan, week one, week two, week three, and bang, bang, bang. And all of that is unpredictable. And the last thing I want to do is start anything yeah. where it's all completely unpredictable. And I've got no idea, quite frankly, what would happen over the next 13 week period. So there's no point in starting, it's worth mothballing. Um, so, Um, is the, uh, there's another project where we're doing a lot of designing and spending a little bit more time on the design and getting that right um, with the iterations because people have that time and the tendering people are out there um, actually asking for work uh, I'm not willing to start a project but I'm well willing to get the finer detail right during this phase uh, so you know once things uh, do start up I think there'll be a lot of people ready to go but one thing I would be concerned about is the availability of materials. And I've seen this in previous um, sort of boom busts or whatever. You know, the, the building supply industry is like a super tanker, isn't it? I mean, it takes a long time to gear up, a long time to uh, slow down. And whenever there's a pickup of demand or a drop in demand, it takes a long time to adjust. And that's going to be a, a, a challenge. My challenge has always been with a lot of the work that I do, particularly with commercial resi conversion projects, we don't have the space to store materials, to so stockpiling toilet rolls on site is not really um, an option. It's very much just in time. Uh, so unless you're building nine new houses in the sticks or whatever, where you've got lots of place to store stuff, a lot of sites in centre locations will be challenged for sort of uh, storing stuff. And finally, I'll end on a new phrase that I think John will like, but wait till the dagger hits the ground before thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Thank you very much, John. Hugely insightful. And thank you very much to everyone on the panel. I'm Pleasure. sure anyone on the panel would, would be happy to pick up any uh, personal questions. I think everyone that's listening and unfortunately not having a slot to be able to speak, and I'll speak on behalf of them, it's been hugely insightful, and thank you very much for, for sharing your your wisdom, your views, and, and your time, more importantly. And um, hopefully we'll all have a, a successful week off the back of this and, and take your snippets and nuggets into action. For Jack, example, I've got a, a short list of a few. Let me finish them, Brendan, which is use your time wisely uh, during this time to learn and, and plan. Uh, always have a plan B or C. In it. Stress test your asset, including the fire. Don't trust banks, which was a, a short and easy one. Um, construction, if you've, if you've started, make sure you try and finish it as efficiently and as quickly as possible so that you have an exit. And if you haven't started, reconsider starting it because you may get caught with the dagger halfway fallen and not on the ground. Brendan, I think you want to come in and let Paul have a bit of a last minute well, to I, say. I, um, I do. I do. I, I've just been asked a few questions as well about when are the next meets as well. Please. So, yeah. look, in terms of the meets, that, that's why there's a survey going out um, for me to determine what you want to hear. You can see behind my background some of my sponsors, Ronald Fletcher Baker, who I'll bring back in in a minute, or Architecture, Crowd with Us and Connection. So really keen to um, get that uh, survey completed. So um, feel free to do so. Um, I'll send a link. So can I just ask? Oh, I'm not. Let me just put who's on. Who's who's not on mute? 
It's, I, I think it's uh, Mr. Higgsy. Uh, Higgs, okay. So uh, I think he's gone on to mute now. So look, in, in terms of the events, um, I couldn't do the events without my sponsors. I'm really delighted they've stuck by me. Aura Architecture, you've heard quite a bit from today. Look, Paul, are you still there? Can you confirm? I'm still here. I'm on the audio line. So I don't know okay, yeah, audio. Or... Look, I, I'm more interested in your words of wisdom than your, your slide because you've got a vast knowledge. I'm, Paul, Paul's new to uh, Ronald Fletcher Baker's listers, but you're not new whatsoever to property. You've, in fact, worked for one of the largest law firms in the UK, haven't you, Paul? One of the largest law firms in the world, in fact. In the world, um, okay. CMS, Cameron McKenna. <laughs> yeah. No, um, yeah, RFB are absolutely brilliant firm to work for. And we do handle pretty much everything that we can do in terms of litigation, compensing, the transactional side of things, all the way through. We, we service everything that you could need with regard to a development. If anybody has got any questions from a legal perspective in relation to uh, whether that be rents to be paid or somebody's not paying their rents, you know, we can deal with those things. The full spectrum of legal aspects that you can do to a tenant, apart from the only one thing you can't do is forfeit a lease or go for possession because the courts have stopped that due to the, the government's um, insistence that that's not the right thing to be doing at the moment. So in terms of you know, statutory demands, all the rest of those things, that's all open to anybody who is a landlord and isn't getting somebody paying their rent. So I just sort of reinforce that point that had been raised during the talk. Um, things do tend to have quietened down very much for us at the moment. What with uh, the property market going on hold um, due to uh, you know, the government's insistence that we shouldn't really be having people moving around as it isn't you know, uh, strictly a necessary thing for them to be doing. So uh, our transactional side of the business has really slowed down at the moment, waiting for this to basically get uh, picked back up again when, when we're all allowed to start going back out into the streets. Paul, we're going to catch up later to do a Zoom call sometime, hopefully this week. Sure. My diary's fairly busy. I'm sure your diary's fairly busy as well, but we're going to catch up this week or early next week. Um, look, as I say, feel free to complete that survey. It does make a huge difference. Just want to say massive thanks to Jack. Um, ben, you're, you're my other sponsor who's on the call this morning, and I'm biased because, you know, it does make a huge difference to have sponsors. Um, you know, 10 years running events. April the 30th is my big event, 10 years. have to admit, only in the last couple of years have I worked with uh, sponsors, including Aura Architecture in the last year. Um, final words from you, Ben. Uh, it's been a great morning, great uh, discussion between people and interesting to hear what people are up to in these uncertain times. Um, pleasure to sponsor your events, Brendan. Um, look forward to the next one. So Ben, just, just in case you're wondering, Ben wasn't just a sponsor of my monthly events, also the National Development Summit as well, which was in January, which seems a long time ago. Look, um, I have a couple of quick things. So firstly, Thursday, um, it's not me who coined that uh, term, it's Jack. Jack, one, one of his great skill sets is his name. So um, Development Expo, which I didn't go with last year, to be fair, it was Jack who considered that name, um, suggested I go with that name. So um, that's in October, touch wood. Um, that's my big event when we come back. Hopefully we come back fairly soon. Um, 
and thirsty thursday so it's only going to be once a month it's not every week but it's going to be a property quiz so if you think you've got good property knowledge it's going to be on the afternoon i think it's may the six um fantastic event last week i would say it because i did win it as well so um <laughs> yeah so um uh, jack any final words about thirsty thursday or anything else we yeah we had um we had a fun quiz uh, day that the last week just gone, uh, which was property focused. There was five topics: so general knowledge, property, um, surveying, finance, etc. And it was good fun. Um, Brendan actually won his own event, uh, um, but we're trying to pull together a bit of fun and a bit of education. Uh, it was a fun uh, event. I think you'll agree, Brendan. We learned how long London Bridge. Uh, is by meet by its meter and things like that and um, so it's hugely insightful and a bit of fun when we've got a little bit of extra time to get engaged with people and I think that we've all agreed and we've summarized on this call that in times like these you want to be doing business with people and not with corporates and to, 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 to be doing business with people spending more time while you can on virtual calls and quizzes to get to know people I think can build integrity uh, and it may take a few to build that integrity and stuff I've already had a couple of conversations with people in this box privately that I'll probably be taking offline so it's all about growing that that network so I think it's key Jack just just before I close the meet I just want to say Aaron uh, any final words no no yes yeah. here on the call a really really great lineup I'm, I'm actually being terrorized by my KGB shadow who's trying to get to the Zoom. Hey, look, look forward to a few more events. Thank you. <laughs> That's my final word. <laughs> so look, I won't delay anymore. Many people asking, is there a recording? Yes, it will take time. It's quicker on audio, so it will be on my Spotify channel. Oh, that's one other thing. So um, I haven't really got the name of the channel yeah so i am open to names for that podcast channel um sam had essentially is quite good to be fair yeah it is and i love that name except there's another property company with that name so it's probably best i don't call it that um because it's very similar to that property name so look it's it's under bequin events at the moment uh podcast doesn't sound as sexy as quintessential so open to um suggestion so look that's it for the moment um join us next week whether it's on monday or tuesday i will confirm um in the next couple of days jack i just want to say massive thanks paul um get well soon uh, i look forward to seeing you very soon um i look forward to seeing our panel very soon uh, and massive thanks to our sponsors today we were joined by aura homes stroke or architecture and uh, Ronald Fletcher Baker solicitor. So massive thanks. Thank you.